Before you use AI to transform your agency, you need to begin with trust. Introducing Watson X Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com federal. IBM, let's create. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What makes a Blitnikoff worthy wide receiver? Has the Lombardi Trophy become just another MVP award? And which rivalry game is like no other? Well, my next guest tackles all that and more right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going running all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. What are the three most beautiful words a sports fan can hear? Football is back. The wait is over, my friend. And even though you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, there's always that online casino as well. The best part about it, it never closes. You can play 24-7. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. It's the only place to go. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And a good bet for a heavyweight rivals game is none other than the Iron Bowl. It has been the backdrop for the most thrilling plays in college football history. But kick six isn't the only play burned into our collective minds. How about the prayer at Jordan Hare or the comeback? That's why I'm excited to have our special guest on the show, a Lombardi and Bolitnikoff Award voter, David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and co-host of Press Row on ESPN 105.1 Chattanooga. Thanks for joining me, David. Uh, good to be here, Chris. Hope you're doing well. Doing great, and we're going to talk about one rival gamer in particular that you were at, the 2013 Iron Bowl. But for some context, the prior season saw Alabama crowned national champion for the second straight year after they manhandled Notre Dame 42-12 for Bama's third title in four years. On the opposite, really opposite side of the coin, the Tigers' season was most forgettable. Talk about Auburn's 2012 season. Yeah, I think uh, when you go back eight years, those two teams could not have been further apart. I was down in Miami when Alabama just absolutely routed Notre Dame, like you mentioned. And, and of course, I think of all the Alabama teams Saban's had, that may have been uh, the best one. I mean, when you look at that offensive line of Quanjo, Warmack, Barrett Jones at center, uh, Anthony Steen and DJ Fluker, I mean, they just absolutely – decimated everybody they had one bad quarter they had they had won a huge game at LSU and then came back the next Saturday and had to face Texas A&M and Johnny Manziel and of course that's when Manziel went wild in that first quarter and they got up 20 to nothing and kind of stunned the crowd and Alabama came back but lost 29-24 so that was just a really good Alabama team and then Auburn in 2012 
you know, that is the only year since 2009 where Gus Malzahn wasn't either the offensive coordinator or head coach. And uh, Scott Leffler was the offensive coordinator and, and just really struggled. Auburn didn't have a quarterback that year. Jonathan Wallace, just a young guy who was overmatched. I was at the 2012 Iron Bowl, and that one was 49 to nothing Ouch. Alabama after seven possessions. So after the first possession of the third quarter, when Alabama uh, scored its seventh touchdown, I mean, Saban took everybody out, put players in like you and me. And I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, for Auburn fans that do not like Nick Saban on that afternoon, there had to be at least some appreciation of him because Nick Saban could have won that game 84 to nothing if he had wanted to. And I'll never forget being in the Bryant-Denny Stadium press box when the Auburn assistant coaches came to the elevators to go down to the field. A, a lot of those coaches I knew, uh, you know, on the defensive side, Brian Van Gorder, the defensive coordinator, and Willie Martinez, the secondary coach, they had been at Georgia earlier in the 2000s. Uh, you know, when Mark Rick got the era going there. And, and so I got to know them pretty good covering Georgia. But, I mean, they just had ghost white faces because they knew their time was up. And, and sure enough, within 24 hours, Gene Chizik and that entire staff had been let go. Yes, exactly. Malzahn replaces Chizik at the helm. Was that the right time to clean house? I think so. I think uh, you, you just don't. The, the, I mean, you hear the expression, the wheels had come off. And I mean, and Alabama wasn't the only situation that year. I mean, a couple of weeks earlier, they had hosted Georgia and, and Georgia got up big, won 38 to nothing. And that's a game Rick, if he had wanted to, could have won 59 to nothing. I mean, Auburn just had no offense that year, couldn't do anything. They had a decent defense, but even the defense uh, started to quit late in the season when they knew their, their offense wasn't going to put up any points. So uh, I think it was. I mean, it's weird to say that, that two years after a national championship, uh, you should fire your head coach. But that, that 2012 <laughs> Auburn team was the, you know, that's the worst Auburn team of the last half century, and it's not even close. But the better news, War Eagle was on a roll in uh, 2013 and actually the game prior to the Iron Bowl, one known as the South's oldest rivalry against the Georgia Bulldogs, had some heroics, too. Tell me a little bit about the prayer at Jordan-Hare. Yeah, that one, uh, I mean, if you want to compare the prayer at Jordan-Hare to the kick six, I mean, the prayer is actually a much more miraculous play. And that's one of those games that, that Auburn got up 37-17, and it looked like they were going to cruise, and you were going to have this huge Iron Bowl showdown, which of course you eventually did. But then Aaron Murray uh, was a was a redshirt senior quarterback for Georgia, and of course Murray had been really good as a redshirt freshman uh, in 2010, the year Auburn won the national championship. Yeah, I mean, felt, Murray felt like he Georgia was there forever. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he got Georgia up 21 to seven at Auburn as a freshman before Cam Newton uh, rallied the troops that day. But Aaron Murray is a is a fifth year senior threw for 415 yards and actually gave Georgia the lead, 38-37. And, I mean, had that held, that would have been just a decimating loss uh, for Auburn because so many things had fallen their way. But sure enough, Auburn, uh, down 38-37, faced a fourth and 18 from its 27-yard line, and Nick Marshall went back to pass. Uh, and, and it was just a situation where he, he threw deep to Ricardo Lewis, and you had Trey Matthews, Georgia's safety, 
basically playing center field. And, I mean, the ball was absolutely coming to Trey Matthews the entire time. Uh, but then one of his teammates, Josh Harvey Clemens, collided with him. And that sent the ball ricocheting in the air, and Ricardo Lewis was able to snag it. Amazingly, he just kind of looks back, tips it, and then catches it and goes in for the score. Going to throw downfield, just a home run ball, and uh, it is tipped off. And Lewis got it on the touchdown. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown, Auburn. Touchdown, Auburn. A miracle at Jordan Hare. A miracle at Jordan Hare. 73 yards. And the Tigers with 25 seconds to go. Lead 43 to 38. Um. I mean, it's, it was. It was an absolute prayer, an absolute miracle. And, I mean, it's just one of those stories that, that continued because the two Georgia players that were involved in the collision, both of them wound up leaving Georgia shortly after. Trey Matthews, of all places, transferred to Auburn. And Josh Harvey Clemens, who ran into him, uh, followed the defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, uh, up to Louisville. So, I mean, it was just kind of one of those unique uh, deals. But, you know, Georgia's secondary was really young that year, and they had all sorts of breakdowns. That that same secondary, you know, in the bowl game, they played Nebraska in the Gator Bowl, and it was a real soggy day, and they somehow managed to give up a 99-yard touchdown pass. So, I mean, it was just kind of a mess uh, of, a, of a defensive backfield for Georgia that year, but uh, just a miraculous win for Auburn that set up uh, the magnitude of that kick six game. Yeah, exactly. Now that we're up to speed, take us into that 2013 Iron Bowl and describe the Crimson Tide juggernaut going into the 78th annual game. Yeah, that was a team that was going for a historic three-peat, and all signs were pointing pointing towards Alabama, you know, making history with a college football three-peat. They were 11-0 and going into Jordan-Hare Stadium. They had won those 11 games by the average score of 41-9, to and uh, they were just absolutely loaded. And it was a team that, um, you know, even though Auburn struck first, you know, you know, Bama kind of got the momentum, got up a couple of scores. And even when Auburn pulled even 21-21 uh, with a little over 10 minutes to go, A.J. McCarron found uh, Amari Cooper for a 99-yard score. And you would have thought that. And it did. I mean, it took a little bit of the life out of the out of the place for a little bit, and it, and it looked like Alabama. It was meant to be, um, but with like two and a half minutes left, Cade Foster lined up for a 44-yard field goal, and had he made it at 31-21, that thing's probably over. But Auburn, Auburn blocked the field goal, and as we all know, tied it late in uh, you know in the in the final minute, and then Adam Griffith with a second left. Uh, you know, he's a kid from our area just down in Calhoun, Georgia, uh, comes up a little short on a 57-yard attempt, and, and Auburn had put Chris Davis, one of their defensive backs, in the back of the end zone, and sure enough, he, he caught it and uh, found a seam down the, down the left sideline, and, and history was made. 56-yarder, it's got, no, does not have the leg, and Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. It was literally a 109-yard return, but under NCAA rules, anything beyond the the goal line is just they're all viewed as 100-yard returns, but, but that one was 109 yards. Well, that's 109 yards that will live on forever. We are speaking with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and co-host of Press Row on ESPN 105.1 Chattanooga. 
Now, prior to the, that final second, what was the uh, the sense and the feel at Jordan-Hare Stadium for the War Eagle faithful? Were you thinking overtime? I was, and I was up in the press box uh, kind of betting on that. I did not want to go down to the field and miss. Uh, you know, I didn't want to turn that thing to turn into one of those games that uh, Arkansas typically played in because as soon as as soon as soon overtime came into college football, it seemed like Arkansas was always involved in these six or seven <laughs> overtime games. Exactly. And I didn't want that to – I didn't want to be stuck with a uh, – with one of those things going on when I'm down, you know, down on the field, I wanted to be able to see everything. And so, yeah, I was absolutely convinced that was going to be the first uh, iron bowl to go into, into overtime. Yeah, but it didn't go into OT. Auburn pulls off a dizzying 34, 28 upset, winning the 2013 Southeastern conference, Western division title in the process. Uh, what did you do right afterwards? You made a beeline right for the Bama postgame conference instead of Auburn. Why was that? Uh, well, it, one, Auburn was celebrating on the field. It was going to be a long time before Auburn held its news conference. Yeah, you I knew mean, they were going to be out there for a players, while. Right. And so I, you know, I, I knew that Alabama, that Saban would address his team and quickly come in. Uh, and so that's what, where I needed to be. And it was just kind of an amusing situation. I've never been through anything like that as far as trying to get down on the field along with tens of thousands of other people who were ready to celebrate. So I had to actually kind of did a couple of things where I jumped into one of those little flower beds. Auburn <laughs> Stadium has the, the flower beds on each corner of the stadium and uh, jumped into one of those and then jumped down on the field, which had to have saved me 10 or 15 minutes. A little the gymnastics there for you. Yeah, I, I was actually laughing too because I'm like, you know, uh, I was in my, I guess I was in my mid-40s at the time and I was like, there's no way if I'm mid sixties, uh, if I'm, I'm trying this cause of the jump distance, but no, I had no problem doing it that day. And, and sure enough, walked in and there were actually a couple of seats up front, uh, for the Saban press conference. So I got up there real close and was able to ask him questions. And I was really impressed with Alabama's media relations staff that day because they brought in a, a tight end named Brian Vogler who didn't have any catches that day or anything like that, but he's number 84. And if you go back and look at the kick six replay, and those things aren't hard to find on YouTube, uh, he's the one with the first really good crack at Chris yeah. Davis on the return. And so he was really good reliving that moment and, and admitting that they underestimated, uh, you know, the speed there. And, you know, of course, CBS's Gary Danielson had the memorable comment when they're playing the reruns. He's like, Alabama's got nothing but fat guys in there right now, you know, <laughs> talking about the blockers and everything. He's like, once, once he got the sideline, once Chris Davis got the sideline, he was gone because Alabama's got nothing but fat guys on the field. So, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was great that they brought people out to like relive the play from both the Auburn side and the Alabama side. Yeah. Well, conversely in the home locker room, it must've been a party like atmosphere. What was the teams in Davis's uh, post game reaction? You know, just kind of the whole God is good. <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, it was just something so delirious. They stayed humble. You know, they. Yeah, they. They were for the most part, and 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 it was one of those things that. And you know, Malzahn had the had the game face on still to where he was like he realized what a epic win it he was. It was, but he also realized that there was an SEC championship for stake the next week, and and of course Auburn came out that very next week against Missouri, and and Trey Mason was just fantastic, rushing for three hundred yards, and and Auburn you know hung fifty nine points on the board a yeah. week after 
you know, the kick six win. So uh, credit to Miles on and them for staying, staying focused. I mean, that was a team that was just really hot at that time. Did you go rolling at a uh, tumor's corner? <laughs> I did not. I went, went back upstairs and had to write some articles. Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually went to Auburn. I worked in their athletic department and, uh, um, but I never in my four years there, five football seasons, I never, uh, rolled tumors corner. I was always, uh, like I said, as a student assistant working in the sports information office, I was always in the press box after games. Uh, so I always missed that. Never saw a tumors corner get rolled. I know the feeling. I was at the 2017 Iron Bowl when they knocked out number one ranked Bama, and I still regret to this day not rolling Tumor's Corner. Now, what is your most memorable Iron Bowl besides 2013? It would be the, the 1989 first one at, at Auburn, the first one at Jordan Hare, because I was game. still, uh, I, I graduated that August, but stayed and worked for the athletic department that fall, and I would write the game stories for the programs and so um you know that was a a a treat and an honor to get to write the game story for the very first iron ball in jordan hare stadium but uh you know the sports information director at the time was david housel who would go on to become their athletic director and he asked me to come along and just run some errands that morning he needed to get a couple of things and you know he was and is the Auburn historian. I mean, he can just tell you everything about Auburn football going way back. Um, and just to drive around with him that morning and just see his eyes all watery, because I was I was raised in Chattanooga. I did not grow up in the heart of Alabama, so I did not know. I mean, I had an idea, but unless you grew up in Alabama, you had no idea what that meant to the Auburn people to finally have Alabama come into your town. And uh, to drive around with David Housel and to, to watch him look at all these Auburn fans, you know, just getting hours before this big game was just kind of an image that I will, I will never, ever forget. But, I mean, you think about – I was there in Tuscaloosa in 2010 for the comeback. I mean, that was an incredible game. Uh, there have just been some good ones. The year before that one, the, the uh, Alabama's comeback win in Auburn uh, that helped – you know, that 2009 Alabama team only had two close games. You had the Terrence Cody block field goal against Tennessee, and then you had the win at Auburn, which was the day after Thanksgiving. They played a couple of years in a row on a Friday. But, man, there have been – it's my favorite. It's definitely my favorite sporting event of the year, the, the Iron Bowl. Why do you think uh, the Iron Bowl compared to other rival games are, is so special? Because both teams win. I mean, you have <laughs> to have both teams win. I mean, you really do. I mean, if you go back to – I, you know, I remember I started getting into the Iron Bowl around 1979 when, when Bama won the national championship, and there was that they were down 18 to 17 to Auburn, and uh, the winning drive. Uh, you know, Alabama had its second team line in because Bear Bryant was proving a point, and then they got a couple of first downs, and Bryant put his starters back in, and they go on and finish a touchdown drive and win 25-18. Well, you know, a couple of years later is when Bear Bryant set the college football record for, for most coaching wins with that 28-17 win in, in 1981. But the next year, of course, that, that next year in 82 was Bo over the top, and, and that was Pat Dye, you know, knocking off Bear Bryant. Since Bo over the top, Auburn has a 20-18 to 18 lead in that rivalry. So, Bo luck um, charm. Yeah, and so, but, I mean, it, it really is one of those things that if you look at Bama LSU, uh, Bama LSU, it's it's a great rivalry, and, and there's no better NFL talent game each year than Alabama LSU. But Alabama leads that series by a two to one margin, maybe even slightly more than two to one. 
even though LSU won the, the latest one. Uh, same thing with Alabama and Tennessee. I mean, Alabama and Tennessee is a very colorful rivalry with a lot of history. Uh, but but that, Alabama's won 13 in a row. It's, it's why Ohio State-Michigan, to me, has lost a lot. Ohio State's won like 14 in the last 15 or 15 in the last 16 or whatever it is. So, sure. I mean, to, to be a good rivalry, you'd have to have – the back and forth, and and that's something that that Alabama and Auburn always seem to produce, with the exception of that little. I mean, Alabama won nine straight under Bear Bryant before Bo over the top, and those nine wins are the difference in the rivalry. You take those away, and it'd be thirty-seven, thirty-seven, and one. So that's why I think it's the best. I mean, it's right there. You know, in, in the hoops version, you got you got Duke and Carolina. I mean, both teams are relevant. There's a back and forth to it, which makes it special. That's true. The, the, the parody is the best part of it. And we're speaking with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and co-host of Press Row on ESPN 1051 Chattanooga. And switching gears real quick, you've been on the voting board for the Belitnikoff Award. What criteria do you use when voting for the most outstanding receiver in college football? There's so, I mean, I am big. If you had to ask what, what kind of puts it over the top for me, uh, I, I do think you need to play against good competition, and I know it sounds biased because I cover a lot of SEC. But if I mean, if you're a if you're a Jerry Judy last year, you're going up against Derek Stingley. I mean, that that should score points, and, and you know, if you have a big day, uh, and you know, same thing with Jamar Chase last year's winner. You know, when you're going up against secondaries like like you've got at Alabama and Auburn, uh, I think that scores points. I do think it's interesting that that either an SEC player or a, Big 12 player has won eight of the last 10 Blitnikoff awards. And so I know that sometimes the Big 12 gets the, you know, the pinball machine type numbers, but the Big 12 is also producing a lot of really good receivers as well. It's just interesting that the Big 12 and SEC seem to be owning that award right now. But I mean, a big criteria for me is, is what cornerbacks are you going up against? And are you, are you collecting these numbers against guys who are going to be playing on Sundays? Yeah, well, the, the, like you said, the Big 12 has those high-output offenses, and the SEC has some incredible defenses and all that NFL talent, like you were saying. But you also uh, have a hand in the Lombardi Award, and until 2016, it went either to a down lineman, offense or defense, or to a rush linebacker a, that's a linebacker that's five yards off the, off the line of scrimmage. And since the rule change, it's gone to a running back, safety, and quarterback. Do you like that new criteria? I mean, personally, no. I mean, I, I just I think there are enough awards for Joe Burrow to win, and it, I mean, it just looks really weird that Joe Burrow is your reigning Lombardi Award winner. Exactly. I mean, I just I, I, I loved it for the. I mean, when you think about that run, uh, you go back to like 2009 to 13, and Dominican Sue, an incredibly dominant player for Nebraska, Nick Fairley, uh, who helped Auburn win the national championship, Luke Keekley, who went on to just an unbelievable career with the Panthers before stepping down, Manti Teow great year at Notre Dame and how dominant he was and Aaron Donald and we know what kind of NFL career he's had you know that's a that's just a five-year run for example that just shows you I mean that is a special special deal when I was at when I was at Auburn uh Tracy Rocker won the Lombardi and I mean I and I helped him on that little campaign to to win the thing and I remember I mean it's just a meaningful it just seems like everybody had their spot and and you knew what a Lombardi award winner was and and now the fact that it's no different from a Heisman, uh, really. I mean, I guess it's the whole best player regardless of position or whatever. But 
I don't know. I just I, I wish they hadn't have made that change. I thought it had a nice little uh, association to it. I mean, everybody knew what you did when you won the Lombardi Award. Yeah, it was nice to see guys like uh, Orlando Pace. He's the only two-time winner of the award, and, and I agree. I was just wanted to get your take on it. All right, it's time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with David Pascal. Three lighter questions to close out the interview. All right, first, you were a voter in the Harris Poll, which was a weekly college football ranking in the BCS formula. And during your time with the Harris Poll, who deserved a BCS National Championship shot but didn't get it or deserved the claim of a national championship? Ooh, I mean, I guess the easy one would be uh, 2004. I, I, it's just there's no way to remedy it. I mean, that was the one year where you had the three perfect seasons exactly. you had, in, in, in Power Five conferences. You had Southern Cal and what they did in the Pac-12. You had Oklahoma in the Big 12, and you had Auburn in the SEC. Uh, you know, I think that, that's the only year in history where uh, the top two teams in the preseason AP poll, Oklahoma, I mean, excuse me, Southern Cal and Oklahoma stayed one, two the entire way. Number two, what other rivalry game besides the Iron Bowl do you look forward to? Army Navy has its own weekend and that's a special deal that it's very different. I mean, people live the Iron Bowl 365 days a year in the state of Alabama. I think people have a unbelievable appreciation for what these Army and Navy players go on to do with their lives. And so I think there's always a super duper appreciation uh, for Army. It's not one of those games you can name all the players on the rosters, but I mean, it certainly it, it has its own Saturday and deservedly so. Yeah, it is a sight to see. And last but definitely not least, I'm a foodie. So we're going with the Iron Bowl of Meals. Which one are you going with? The National Championship BLT at Ramajamas or a big sandwich at Mama Goldberg's Deli? And of course, you can wash it down either one with Tumor Drugs Lemonade. Yeah, having been to Auburn a little, I'm a little more biased because I've, I've done the Mama Goldbergs and the Tumors Lemonade a good bit more. So that's probably not the uh, most neutral question to ask. So I've got to go with Mama Goldbergs on that. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. We've been speaking with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and co-host of Press Row on ESPN 105.1 Chattanooga. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Chris, enjoyed it. You take care. Thanks for listening to the College Football Legend podcast. Tweet your questions at The Sports Jesus. That's at The Sports Jesus. And join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.